Good morning. Good morning. So great to see. Wow, it's been a good morning for some of you. That's great to hear. Uh, welcome to Timber Creek Church. We are smack dab in the middle of a powerful series uh, that technically you asked for. Uh, we did a survey in Easter uh, during the Easter services, and you guys picked what we were going to teach on during this series called... You asked for it. So the past few weeks, we've been studying different answers to your questions, and this week is no exception. Uh, we are here this morning to tackle a very difficult question that a lot of you guys apparently are having, and my prayer today is that you leave here with answers. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this church. We thank you so much for our pastor. We thank you for the vision of this church, Lord, and, and one of those, those parts of the values that we have here at Timber Creek Church is that we would always take next steps. Father, I pray that today that we would take a next step close to you, that we would leave here closer to you, Father, than we are when we walked in, than we were when we walked in. We just ask right now that you would give us hearts, God, with good soil in them. God, that our hearts will be wide open to what you want to put in today. And God, I pray that as you pour into us and teach us, that we would leave changed and transformed. And it's in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So today's question that you asked was, how do I hear God's voice? How do I pray? So I get to tackle this one. It's one that I'm very passionate about. I remember when I first got saved, uh, it seemed like everything I prayed for happened. You guys remember those days? Like everything I prayed for happened. Uh, I could pray for such and such that I needed and it just happened. I could pray for lots of different friends that I have that didn't know the Lord and they would get saved. It was like everything just happened when I prayed. Then I grew in the Lord and as I grew in the Lord, I went through a season where the Lord was trying to teach me surrender. Not a fun season, especially for a strong-willed blonde like me. And so I went through this season as I was growing in Christ where the Lord had to teach me that sometimes his answer is no. I didn't like that. In fact, I, I can remember praying over and over again for God to give me things that he had made very clear to me were not good for me. But because I didn't want to let those things go, uh, I was unwilling to surrender. There became a stagnancy that began to develop in my prayer life. Because I was unwilling to really surrender. I didn't really want his will. I wanted mine. Anybody been there? Oh, I know. You guys are all just so perfect with your halos over your head. All right. So then the third season I went through was a, as a more mature Christian was this very difficult season. I think it's the season that has tested my faith more than any season. And it's the season where God trusts you by telling you something he wants to do, but much later. Uh -huh. And he asks you to pray for that until it happens. I believe that that season is the hardest of all. A lot of times when the Lord puts something in our heart to do or to pray for, it comes on very strong. And we think surely because we want it so bad and surely because God spoke it, it's about to happen any day now. But how many of you know that that's not always how God works? That a lot of times God will tell us something or he'll ask us to pray and believe him for something that can take weeks months, and sometimes years before it's answered. And I believe that these three seasons I walked through as a Christian, the first one was fun and easy. The second two were very hard. The second and third were hard. And it is through these seasons that some obstacles began to form in my prayer life. Some obstacles began to form. I became a little bit more hesitant to pray. I remember going to God with doubt 
first versus faith first. Because I felt God had let me down. Now I really don't feel like even praying, if I'm being quite honest with you. And two obstacles began to form in my own life. And I believe today that many of you have the same two obstacles. Which is why we're saying one of the most important topics or questions we need answered as a church is, how do I pray? How do I hear God's voice? You want to know why you're asking that? Because apparently you've been disappointed or something didn't happen and you figure surely you heard God wrong. And so this morning, my prayer is that through the teaching of God's word, these obstacles will come tumbling down this morning. And that you will have a revival in your heart to pray and to seek God like you never have before. Are you ready? Let's take a, a look at a chapter that covers these two obstacles very, very thoroughly. It's going to be found in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, your iPhones. We're going to read these together. Now, this passage of Scripture is written by Luke. He was a physician. He's pretty detailed, as most doctors are, aren't you? All right. So Luke is writing this, and he breaks down uh, the answers on how to pray with three different sections. The first section that we're going to read is a specific request that a disciple makes. The second section we're going to study is what Jesus' answer was and is still today regarding that request. And the third thing that we're going to learn, the third section, is a certain subtle key that Jesus just kind of like throws in the mix, as he often does. A certain key that we must use to have our prayers unlocked and answered. Let's look at the scripture this morning. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, then when he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place, what kind of a place? Mm, a certain place. He was praying in a certain place. And when he stopped, when he stopped what? Praying. One of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John has taught his disciples. Now, what's interesting and peculiar about this request is it's one of his disciples who he has lived with, broken up some bread and fish with, done some miracles in front of, asking him to teach them to pray. What an odd request. You want to know what makes it more odd is that this disciple is a Jew. And unlike the American church, by and large, Jewish tradition got children in the synagogue and in the temple at a young age teaching them to pray and recite and memorize uh, most of the, of the Torah. I mean, these, this is like we have no idea how much work went into teaching children, Jew, Jewish children, how to recite God's word and how to pray. So these men, the disciples, are Jews. So no doubt they grew up hearing rabbis pray. 100% sure they heard priests pray in the temple. So why would this disciple ask Jesus to teach them to pray? I believe this. I believe that as Jesus is finishing his prayer time with the Father, as he's leaving his certain place, I believe that the disciple overheard a prayer 
time unlike anything he'd ever heard before. See, Jesus is leaving his time of prayer when the disciple asks this question or this request. You see, Jesus prayed differently than any priest or rabbi they had ever heard. There was a sense of familiarity and intimacy and faith and trust of of an organic relational nature that maybe the rabbis and the priests had never quite mastered or understood. See, when Jesus prayed, it was as if a son was talking to his father because he was. It was as if they had known each other for a lifetime because they had. And it's this kind of prayer that the disciple says, oh, that I could pray like Jesus. I've heard a lot of people pray, eloquent, reciting poems of prayer. But this guy talks to God differently. I want to pray, Jesus, like you pray. So this morning, we're going to learn from the one who knew how to pray best. And as we learn, we're going to overcome and throw down, knock down. That was your foot. I'm knocking it down. The first obstacle to why we don't pray. And it is because of this statement. Maybe you have heard it before. I don't know how to pray like you. Or I don't know how to pray like Pastor Jeremy. Or I don't know how to pray pray for Grandma like Grandma did when I was growing up. I, I don't know how to pray like my Sunday school teacher back when we had Sunday school, back in those days. I don't know how to pray like they did. So therefore, what do we do? We don't pray at all. Or we just kind of throw up some flare prayers when we're really gotten ourselves in a jam, right? And oh, now we need God's help. Holy Lord, Jesus, show up. And maybe the disciples were used to those kind of prayers too. I don't know. But I know this. The disciples saw something different in Jesus' prayer time that he wanted. And Jesus responds by saying, "Uh uh-huh, you saw that? Let me teach you what's different young man, and he's saying it to Timber Creek today. See, 2,000 years later, many of us are still asking Jesus for the same thing, aren't we? Jesus, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to talk to you in a way that I understand what you're saying back. See, prayer is communication between you and God. Prayer is hanging out with him. Prayer is more than words on a page that we quote before we go to bed. Prayer is about relationship. And the more time we have in prayer, the better we get to know God and the more we want to pray. Let's look at this this morning. Let's learn from some lessons from Jesus when he gives them the answer, starting in verse 1. The first lesson from the Lord's Prayer. He's going to give them a, a very famous portion of prayer. In fact, let's read it. In fact, many of you could quote it with me. It says, and he said to them, when you pray, say this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Oh, you mean it? Really? Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us daily or today our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone Mm -hmm. 
who is indebted to us. Oh, it's getting real, folks. Which means we forgive everyone who has offended us or done us wrong. And bring us not into temptation. I like this. But rescue us from evil. Now Jesus gives the disciples this prayer for several reasons. He wants them to know, number one, and he wants you to know today. This sounds so basic, but it's yet very foundational. And you need to know that Jesus prayed. Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, God in the flesh, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one that defeated death, hell, and the grave, Jesus Christ prayed. Number two, Jesus had a certain place he liked to go, didn't he? Oh, this is good. Are you ready? You want to know why some of you guys don't pray? Is you have no place to go pray. Yeah, it's true. You haven't built an altar in your home. Now, I didn't say go grab some wood and like build an altar with stone. No, but an altar is a place where you go to meet with God. And I love that the scripture says that he went to a certain place that he liked to go. Some of you hate to pray, but you love to fish. How about you take your, your prayer time to a place you like to go? Oh, some of, oh, see, light bulbs are just went off all across this auditorium. Did you know your prayer time is supposed to be enjoyable? <laughs> Shocker. You know, he's probably almost as bored with it as you are, if you feel that way. Maybe you need to, like, spice it up a bit and, like, go for a walk with your iPod and just listen to some podcasts and some worship songs. I remember when we moved into one of our, our houses, it was on Augusta, and it had hardwood floors, and Victoria was a baby. And every noise we made echoed through the house. I love hardwoods, and I hate them all at the same time because there's no sound barrier. It's just echoed all the way through the house. And I had entered a season where I wasn't praying anymore because I was a new mom. I know, here go my excuses. New mom, I was exhausted, I was tired, and I stopped getting up to have time with God. And about a year and a half of this later, I had someone who loved me very much challenge me at coffee one day. It was actually Pastor Jeremy's mother. Awkward. And she said, you know, Talia, you not spending time with God, it's not a physical fatigue issue. It's actually a spiritual issue. You make time for what and who is important. All will stink, right? How do you argue with that? She was right. So I made it my goal to start praying again every day. But I had no place in this new house where I felt like I could wake up and have time with God without waking the baby. How many of you know if the baby wakes up, this is counterproductive? I'd rather sleep and not pray than wake and try to pray holding my baby. I get just counterproductive. Love her, but Lord have mercy. So I had to get creative and find a certain place where I could meet with God without waking up Victoria. So guess where I ended up? In my master bedroom walk-in closet. In fact, I got a little coffee machine. It was a Mr. Coffee. It had four cups. Remember those things? This is before Keurig. <laughs> and I put it in my bathroom. And every night, I would prepare my coffee in that bathroom. 
And every morning I would get up and I'd turn on my coffee and I'd grab my laptop with my YouTube worship songs ready. I'd put in my headphones and I'd sit in my closet in my pajamas with my coffee. And I met with Jesus every day. Something began to change in me in that closet. He, he used that season of my seeking him and worshiping him and spending time with him. That was a sweet, fragrant aroma to God. And let me tell you, it was sacrifice. It wasn't comfortable. In fact, when people would walk in my bathroom and it smelled like coffee and I got questions as to why there was a coffee machine in my bathroom, it was a little weird to explain that the reason my, coffee, my bathroom smells like coffee is because I pray in there. See, but I had to find a certain place. And God's so good, my new house has a mother-in-law quarters. I can go out there all by myself and lock out the kids. It's fantastic. (laughs) But Jesus had a certain place he liked to go. Can I challenge you this morning to do the same? Would you get so serious about getting closer to God that you go put forth some effort and think through of a place that you'd like to go And begin to establish a certain place that you talk to God. And as you do that, you'll become addicted to his voice and his presence. And the have to becomes a want to as you pray. The next thing Jesus did was then we find out by reading the scripture, he gives them a model. He gives them a model, hey, it's not a formula. Some people use the Lord's Prayer as some formula. It's not a formula to guarantee you to get what you want. It is a model that we use when we pray. We're going to look at it very quickly this morning. In fact, Jesus said, our Father, he starts it with what? You guys know it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Pause. What is he doing? He is thanking and worshiping God. So number one, we start with thanks and take time. To worship him for who he is and all he has done. This is something that we try to do in our home with our children. As busy as we are, as rushed as I am, as much as I want to throw my children in their bed, (laughs) throw the blanket over them and say goodnight. Pastor Alvin and I know the value of teaching our children to find a certain place to meet with God. And right now for Carter, the certain place is his bunk bed with his Bible with the pacifier still in his mouth. Help us, Lord. I know. We need prayer. We need prayer. We need a miracle for this, the binky to be destroyed. All right? No, actually, that's not the miracle we need. Is it? It's for mama to allow the binky to be destroyed. Let's be real here, folks. Okay? But Carter has a certain place, and my daughter Victoria has a certain place. We still pray over her at night, but her main time is she likes to get up extra early with mommy. And yeah, I give her a little shot of coffee in her favorite flavoring. It's like this much. And we sit there together. Oh, don't judge me because I give her coffee. Lord have mercy. But we sit there. She's got her her prayer journal. She's got her her devotional. She's got two of them. She's my daughter. Two, two, Two devotionals and her Bible and her iPad with her worship songs ready. And we may not make every single day, but I'll tell you what, every single day we have a certain place, and it's on the couch in the TV room around 6.15 in the morning. And every morning we meet with God. The next thing Jesus teaches them is he teaches them to do something more than ask 
for God's kingdom to come. Guess what he tells them to do? He says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What the scripture does not say is, how about you guys try and maybe ask a little bit of like God's kingdom to come and his will be done. Just ask and see if maybe it'll happen. No. It's very important for you to understand how Jesus says this. He says it to them in a way that alludes to the fact that they are not to ask but to declare God's kingdom to come. God's will be done fully in our lives, in our situations, on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean, folks? It means, God, whatever you see needs to happen, make it happen right here, right now, on earth, in my problem, in my marriage, in my situation that mirrors perfectly what you see in your mind and in your heart up there where you are in heaven. That's what it means. And some of you in here, you pray, but you have not understood the authority you have as a Christ follower. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And in Jesus' name, we have something called authority over what Satan wants compared to what God wants. And Jesus says, if you guys would wake up and realize that what you have in you has the power when you declare to bring my will done on earth as I will see it in my heart in heaven. Wow. We've got to be awakened to the truth of how Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have said to do it if it weren't possible. Prayer unlocks God's power. Yeah, it does. It does. I don't understand why he needs us to pray, people. I'm so sorry. I can't give you the reason. All I know is he says to do it. And he says, when you do it, I will answer. Our job is to pray. His job is to answer. Our job is to pray. His job is to answer. He moves from that, and he says, okay, now, you've thanked me. You've worshiped me. You've declared my kingdom to come. Okay, what, what would you like me to do for you? What do you need? Can I encourage you? Make a list of three things you need God to do. No, no, I didn't say five. I didn't say ten, because some of you, your list will be like a book. It'll be like this whole thing full. no. And that's why you're not praying. It's because you're overwhelmed with how much is wrong in your life right now or how much is not getting done. Pick three things. I do this all the time. And I pray and I pray and I pray and I pray until God answers that prayer. And you know what I get to do when it's done? I get to write the date beside it. You want to know what that does for my roots of faith? Oh, yeah, they grow deep. Ask him for what you need. Then he says, to for, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, and then we choose. We ask him to forgive us of our sins, and then we make a choice to forgive others who have hurt us. Then we ask God to protect us from falling into temptation and to be rescued from evil. What a great model. Guys, if you took two minutes and prayed... And, and, and practiced each one of these parts of the Lord's Prayer this week, do you know that you would spend probably around 10 minutes a day in prayer? And some of you, that's a big deal. Some of you could spend 5, 10 minutes, 15 minutes just in worship. You know who you are. You can do it. You plug in your iPad. You sing into all them other songs. How about you get some new playlists in your Pandora and your Spotify 
And how about you download some of these good songs like Holy Ground and Do It Again by Elevation. And how about you make your home a place where God is worshiped and praised. How about you let your kids hear you singing to God. My poor children hear us singing to God. I just saw Victoria goes, she hears me singing. It's horrible. But it's a joyful noise unto the Lord. I promise you that. (laughs) You know what? My kids can remember me and Pastor Alvin for a lot of things. You know, they're going to remember a lot of things we did wrong because we have. But oh, that they would remember the mornings they woke up and heard mommy praying. Oh, that they would remember the nights that we sat there and, and thanked God for something after a long, hard day. And God showed up in that moment and let my children know that he was real. Oh, that my, oh, that our children, Timber Creek, would grow up with moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles and friends who pray and meet with God, who know God, who talk to God, who hear his voice, who obey God, who see his blessing and provision as a result. Wow. Obstacle number two. So obstacle number one, we've just conquered. Your homework this week is to pray that thing through. Yeah, I said homework. Homework, which means what? You do it at home. Find a certain place that you like to go and use this as a model to pray. Hey, what do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Try it. The second obstacle we want to tackle this morning is I believe it's the hardest one for people to overcome. Like it's a high hurdle, right? You know, there's certain levels of hurdles. This one's the highest one. It's one I've struggled with very, very much in my Christian walk. And here it is. This is the statement that hinders me from praying sometimes. But God didn't answer my prayers. But dad still died. But we still lost the house. But my wife left anyway. Are you with me this morning? Wouldn't you agree? Are those not the obstacles that keep you from believing God again for anything? And what the enemy loves to do, yo, you want to know he's so good at? He's so good at making us forget the 235,000 things God has done. And he causes this one thing that didn't happen the way we wanted it to happen to cause us to no longer pray. To say God is not good. To say he doesn't hear me when I talk to him. One thing. What's your one thing? We all have a one thing that we believed God for and had not happened. Hasn't happened or didn't happen. And God wants to knock down that obstacle this morning. Are you ready? We're going to tackle it together. Here we go. Starting in verse 5, Jesus says this. And he said to them, which of you has a friend who has a friend will go to him at midnight. Don't come to my house at midnight, folks. And will say to him, friend, wake up. I need three loaves of bread for a friend of mine who was on a journey 
has just come to my house, and I have nothing to give him. <laughs> Listen to how the friend answers who's inside. And he from within will answer, do not disturb me. <laughs> the door is now closed, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot get up and supply you with anything. <laughs> Sorry, but that's like a real moment. The Bible's real time, isn't it? What are you doing at my door at midnight? Jesus says, I tell you, listen, I tell you, although he will not get up and supply him with anything because he is his friend, yet because, yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will finally get up and give him as much as he needs. Wow. <coughs> so we have a friend who's in need. That's us. And Jesus strategically puts this in the story, in the teaching. Listen, everybody. He could have omitted this completely. I mean, he taught them to pray. They didn't even ask for this teaching. And Jesus said, see, there was something about the man on the outside of the door. He had something called a need. And he shamelessly and persistently insistently pounded on that door until the friend got his lazy hind end out of that bed and gave him what he needed. And Jesus says, so I say to you in verse 9, ask and keep on asking. Knock and keep on knocking. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. And every door you knock on shall be open to you. What a powerful scripture. You know what I like about it? Is that sometimes what Jesus is teaching us here is God always hears us the first time we pray. But for some reason, sometimes there are things that we don't understand that might get in the way, or there's something that happens from the moment we pray to the moment the answer comes that Jesus is saying, you're going to feel like giving up. You're going to feel like stopping to ask. You're going to get tired of knocking on that door. You're going to get sick of seeking me, but I'm telling you to ask and keep on asking, to seek and keep on seeking, and to knock and keep on knocking with shameless, persistent insistence. This is the part we have a hard time with, though. Let's, let's look at these keys quickly. Number one, we need to ask. The first key that unlocks our answers to prayer. Guys, there's a diff prayer is you talking to God, right? So that is asking. I'm asking God. I'm talking to God. I'm praying about my problem, my relationship, my situation. Praying is not five posts a day on Facebook telling everyone my need. I'm serious because I believe that we are accidentally feeling like we're taking care of spiritual business with prayer emojis. And it doesn't work. That's not prayer. Pray, how, I, I challenge you. Measure the amount of time that you spend talking about your problems this week. Compare it to the amount of time you record that you have prayed about those problems and see which side is more. Talking about your problems is not prayer. Talking to God about your problems is prayer. James 4.2 says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. 
I know it feels like you have prayed about it a lot, but you really haven't. You've thought about it a lot. You've talked to every you've talked to your best friend about it a lot. You've mulled over it with anger a lot. But that's not prayer. Ask. Number two, ask according to God's will. The second key that unlocks answers is asking according to God's will. 1 John 5, 14 to 15 says, and this is the confidence which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything according to his will, here it is, guys, that means an agreement with his own plan. He listens to and hears us. Number three, the third key is to ask with right motives. Oh, goodness gracious. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you don't receive because you're asking with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So like your neighbor's annoying you and they're loud and the skateboard hits the concrete at 7.30 on a Saturday morning next door. And you're praying for God to move them out of your neighborhood. Probably not the right motives. All right? That person at work that sits across from you is so annoying. And instead of sharing God's love with them, you share mean glances with them and roll your eyes. Oh, come on. And you're asking God to move that person out of your department. (laughs) Probably not the right motives. See, to have our prayers not only heard but answered, you've got to talk to God about it. You've got to pray according to his will. You want to know how you know where his will is found? In his word. I know. See, this is where, where you've got to start doing some work, Christians. You've got to get in his word and read his word. There you will find out who he is, how he works, and what his will is. So if you're praying that your husband will leave so you can be with the person that you found at the office, ain't going to happen. That's not the will of God. Oh, you'd be surprised what I've heard people pray for. The fourth key, and as I finish this morning, is we are to ask with shameless persistence and insistence. Shameless, which means without shame. Which means I don't care what everyone else around me thinks about how I'm asking or how often I'm believing God for it. I'm willing to be shameless in my pursuit of what I need God to do in my life, in my situation. Jeremiah 33.3 says, call to me, God says, and I will answer you and show you great and wonderful things that you don't know yet. You know, I, I had... Uh, a couple girls that were new to grow last week, the two Sierras. I don't know if they're here this morning. But I had, oh, there they are, the Sierras. Yes, I love the Sierras, new friends of mine. Sierra number one. <laughs> you know, they're, they're newer to the church, just really getting plugged in and growing. I'm so proud of you guys. I love you guys already. I've been praying for you all weekend. Yes. But Sierra number one came to us and said, okay, guys, I need, I need, and I have a prayer request. I was asking what they needed prayer for before they, they left that night. We think we stayed till 930 that night talking. And she said, okay, guys, I really need a car. And I'm like, oh, gosh. 
Jesus, if you don't give this girl a car, this is going to look really bad. Because <laughs> we just told him, like, God answered prayer and all that good stuff, you know. You know, the next day she called me and she just bought a car. No, you don't understand. She only had $1,500. And she said, I found one car. It was listed for $1,500. But then I read in the finer print and it said, it only drives backwards. <laughs> True? True. So she and her mom show up on site to this one because she said she avoided what was called stranger danger. So she brings her mom with her to avoid stranger danger, which is smart. Good job. And she shows up and the guy was asking $1,800. And they said, you know, we have $1,300 with us. Will you take it? He said, sold. One day. But you know what? Some of you guys, you've been praying for stuff for a very long time. And oh, you wish that he would answer like he answered Sierra for you too. There was a woman in the Bible I want to finish with. Her name was Ritzpah. I know, weird name, huh? In fact, she only has a little window of fame here. It's found in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verses 8 to 14. Ritzpah was a concubine of King Saul. Together, they had two children, Ammoni and Mephibosheth. Don't try to say that three times in a row. They had two sons. The problem was a war came. And because of King Saul's wickedness and the wickedness of the land, they were defeated by the enemy. In fact, King Saul died, his son Jonathan and also these two sons of Ritzpah. See, but Ritzpah found out that not only were her sons killed, they were hung by chains instead of buried, left to hang out in the open air. Ritzpah goes to the place where her sons are hung. And she takes a piece of sackcloth and she spreads it out on a rock. See, sackcloth in the Old Testament, back in that day, it represented grieving, mourning. She was grieving. Her, her baby boys, they died young. But that woman, Ritzpah, takes that sackcloth and she lays it out over that rock. And the Bible says that every day, she stood there, watch over the sons of she and King Saul. It says every day she beat away the ravens that were trying to eat the flesh of her dead sons. And it said every night she fought the wild animals that tried to come and eat their dead corpses. And Ritzpah made a declaration and said, I'm not leaving my sons until the king hears and makes this right. Her story reaches the ears of King David. And guess what? He made, he made it right. See, what God wants us to have, Timber Creek, some of you older Christians, you've been disappointed, you have prayed and prayed for something to happen and it's never happened. You need that spirit of Ritzpah. Yes, you do. You need that spirit of Ritzpah that says, I'm going back to praying for what God promised me. I'm going back to pray for my husband who is mean to me, treats me like trash every day, 
and I refuse to stop praying until he comes to know the love of God and is saved. And I'm not stopping. My sackcloth will stay on the rock until the king hears and he makes it right. I want my brother Jacob to come up real quick. Some of you guys, I don't know if you remember, but a couple years ago I did a sermon and I showed the story of my brother at the end and there were tons of mugshots. In fact, this is my brother, look at this. He's my little brother. <laughs> what happened, Jesus? I mean, <laughs> Lord help me. My mom is a ritzba. Because he was in drugs and alcohol for 17 years. I'll be honest, I wish I could say that I believe that God was gonna do something, but I hate to admit in front of him, I think I've given up. But my mom had a spirit of ritzpah. And she refused to let the ravens devour the flesh of her son by day. And she fought the wild animals by night. And what I want you guys to do is I want you to stand here this morning. We are gonna pray over your Ammonites and your Meshibbethes. Your Mephibosheths, we're gonna pray over those. And Jacob, I want you to pray with me. If you have something that you have stopped praying for or you have a really big thing you need God to do, we're gonna pray and we're gonna sing a song this morning as we finish. It's one that's called Do It Again. And you know what this is? This is a trophy. This is a reminder. This is an encouragement. This is a moment of great hope for you <laughs> because there are ritzpas in the house this morning. There are ritzpas at Timber Creek and there are Mephibosheths in marriages and there are Mephibosheths in your household and there are Mephibosheths in your attitude and there are Mephibosheths in your spiritual walk with Christ that God, the King, needs to come and make right. Let's pray. Father, Jacob, just pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray over every person here. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Would you begin to move in those situations? Yes, you said to call forth those things that are not as though they are. So together, I join with the prayers of hundreds of men and women in here, and we declare, God, that the King would hear these prayers, that you would send forth your answer from heaven, and 